You're listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help people win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, then come and join us and be a part of the Passion Church family. You can visit our website, passionchurchmo.com, to find out more about us. Turn with me to the book of Luke, the seventh chapter, Luke 7. Now we're going to, I'm going to quote a lot of different scriptures today, but this is where we're going to start to build uh, our message this morning. Mm, I don't know about you, but I got something down in my crawl. There may just be three of us, four of us in this building, but I want you to know something. Uh, If I disappear off the screen, it's just because I've ran to shout for a little bit. I'll be back. So don't don't you go anywhere if you see me disappear. And no, it probably wasn't the rapture. It's just pastor being enraptured in the presence of God, running up and down the aisle shouting. But now if the Lord decides he wanted to come and I disappear out of here, you won't know the difference because you'll be with me, right? All right. Luke, the seventh chapter, and we're going to start with the uh, 13th verse. And uh, Jesus is with the disciples, and, uh, you know, he's, he's just healed uh, the centurion's servant, and so there's exciting things going on, and he's moving o- around, and, and he's, um, well, he, he's, he's passing through the city Nain. In fact, I'm going to start with verse 11 and, and read down to verse 16, so here we go. And it came to pass... The day after, the day after what? The day after he had healed the servants, uh, the, the uh, centurion's servant. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of his disciples went with him and much people. In other words, there was a crowd thronging Jesus already. Now when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And much people of the city was with her. Now, I'm not sure if you understand this or not, but in the time of antiquity, if if a, a wife had lost her husband and he didn't have any brothers, then she was left without any means of support. And so it's very important to understand that if she'd lost her only son, he was evidently a, a man, you know, enough old enough that he could provide a living, but he was still young. And she had lost her son. It meant she is now in total devastation. She's not only lost her husband and her means of support, but she's lost her son, who was the secondary means of support in her life. <clears throat> and when the Lord saw her. Oh, I don't know if you underline in your Bible or not, but I would right here. He had compassion on her. I want you to understand everything that Jesus ever did in the Word, when it came to healing or touching or changing a circumstance for someone, he did it from a heart of compassion. And he said unto her, weep not. Now, compassion means to have pity, to put yourself in that person's place and then feel their circumstance and want to do something about it. And so he tells her, weep not. Now, she's got a lot to cry about. 
She's already lost her husband, lost her means of support. Her life has been devastated, and now her son, her only son, has died. Verse 14, and he came and he touched the buyer, which is, it, it was like a stretcher that they were carrying him on. And they that bear him stood still. Now he touched it, and they stopped. Mm. And he said, young man, I say unto thee, arise. <laughs> Verse 15, and he that was dead sat up and began to speak, and he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear, that's reverence, on all, and they glorified God, saying, that a great prophet is risen up among us, that God hath visited his people. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word today. God, I thank you for the anointing that's already on your word. Your word doesn't need anointing, but your servant does. And God, I ask, Lord, that as we go through the word and as we share for the next few moments, that you will, Father, speak over my words, speak over my thoughts. Allow the Holy Spirit not only to work with what I have, but to build what I cannot build. Holy Spirit, go beyond me, go beyond my words, and go beyond where I'm at and reach into the lives and the homes of those that are watching both locally, Father, and those that are in places such as Canada and Pakistan and those that are watching in other nations, God. I pray that you'll be able to do something super abundantly that supersedes any preconceived notion of what we think you can do right here, right now, in Jesus' name, amen. So I have kind of an unusual message today and an unusual title uh, that I want to share with you, and that is simply this, Jesus is a grave robber. Jesus is a grave robber. Now, I don't know, you've probably seen movies and things and heard stories that in bygone days there were men who were tomb raiders and grave robbers who would line their pockets with the spoils of kings and people who, of, of renown who were born, who were buried with, with some of their treasures. You know, the word tells us you can't take it with you, but so often we try. And so there have been those in the past who are, in my opinion, unscrupulous people who would break into places and desecrate graves in order to line their pockets. But Jesus is a grave robber of a different sort. Now, he doesn't rob a grave to line his pockets. He robs a grave to bring great prosperity to the person whose grave has been robbed. Oh, come on now. So we find Jesus right here. He's, he's already worked a mighty miracle of healing. He's walking around. He's got a group of people who undoubtedly, those who are, who've, who've chosen to follow him, and then there are those who are just following him because of the miracles. They want to hear his words. They want to see what he does. Jesus comes upon a woman in the middle of a funeral procession. They're taking this uh, boy to his burial, to his tomb. And uh, Jesus happens upon it, and he interrupts the funeral. 
in this act, Jesus raising the dead, he is now, before the crowd, has uh, uh, solidified the fact that he is now in line with all of the Old Testament prophets who could raise the dead. He has now proved himself to those who following him and to the world and to the religious crowd that he is a true prophet of God because he had the power to raise the dead. He's interrupted the funeral because he's moved by compassion. The main motive for all of Jesus' miracles, as I've already said, is compassion. To put yourself in the place, in the hardship of someone else and try your best to see it through their eyes and then knowing that you have something you can do to help change the circumstance, this is what motivated Jesus to do the works that he did while he was here on the earth. He was showing us as the Son of Man how we are to treat those around us. When we see somebody in hurt, we are to see them with eyes of compassion and to reach in and do what we can do in our, our powers and our ability by calling on God to do what we cannot do and doing what we can. There are things in our life that we cannot do. Jesus didn't just walk up to this person's uh, grave or up, up to this funeral and, and raise this boy out of his own will. He done it because the heavenly Father saw the compassion on the heart of Jesus and gave him permission to go and raise this person from the dead. And it's the same with you and I. We go to God for what we cannot do and we do what we can do, that is compassion. Jesus is always moved by other people's misfortunes. And we, as Christians, little Christs, should be doing the same thing in this world around us. We should be reaching into the lives and the other people's misfortunes to try to help them find a resolve and to bring them to the heart of their Heavenly Father. The most beautiful thing in this encounter was that he gave the widow back her son. He didn't steal out of this situation. He breathed life into this situation. When Jesus robs a grave, he robs death and hell. When Jesus uh, robs a grave, he robs the devil from all victory by breathing life into a dead situation and then calling death into life, bringing that person whose soul was already gone. This young man more than likely had to have been a Jewish believer. So he was probably already in the arms, uh, if you will, uh, of Father Abraham in the place of the dead. But Jesus reached in. He didn't even call the boy by name. He just said, get up. <laughs> and the boy knew who he was talking to, and he came back to life. He called life 
out of death, according to John the 11th chapter and the 25th verse, and we'll get to that in just a moment. Jesus declared himself to be the resurrection and the life. Not just the Son of Man, but the Son of God. He held the power of life over death. That is the Christ that you and I serve. He holds the power of life over death. Death cannot stand in the presence of Jesus. When Jesus is truly on the scene, death will bow to life. Mm. So in John, the 11th chapter, the 38th through the 53rd verse, I would go there and read all that, but for time's sake, I won't. This is the story of Lazarus. This is the story where... Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, had called Jesus and said, Oh, our brother is sick and we need you to come because we know you are the healer. And Jesus' disciples around him were urging him to go and to pray for his friend Lazarus. <laughs> but Jesus said, I'm going to delay my coming. There's a Jewish tradition, I won't go into a lot of deep detail, but there's a Jewish tradition that if a person is going to be raised from the dead, there's a three-day incubation period where if a person prays with enough faith, a person from the dead within a three-day period can return from the grave. Jesus didn't wait one day. Jesus didn't wait two days. Jesus didn't wait three days. Jesus waited for four days. Why? Because he wanted to prove to the world that your superstitions and your silly beliefs hold no power in the presence of God. When God is ready for a resurrection, it doesn't matter how many days have passed. God will bring back miraculously what it is that has died simply because he is the Lord of life. Mm. So look at this. Jesus shows up on the scene, and all, while they're traveling to the scene, the disciples are going, oh, oh, what are we going to do, Master? Are we going to raise him up? Because Jesus had said, Lazarus is asleep. <laughs> so they're thinking in their mind, he's still alive, he's okay. Finally, he has to tell them, boys, he's dead. We've got to go there to bring comfort to this situation. He's dead. Jesus shows up, and of course, he, he encounters Martha, and she's in tears, and she's brokenhearted, and there are professional mourners that are around the grave, and they are, they are wailing and crying, and, and Mary's not even in the picture. She, she, she can't even bear the thought. She's not even in the picture at the moment. She's at their dwelling, and <clears throat> Jesus shows up and has a conversation with Martha, as he's having that conversation with her, she says, if you'd have just been here, I know my brother would have been saved. And Jesus said, have you considered the resurrection? And she goes, oh, I know in the last days, I know when it's all said and done, that my brother shall resurrect. I know when it's all over that we will all have a resurrection. She thought Jesus was trying to bring her comfort in those words that, that one day, and that's what oftentimes we as believers have to say at a loved one's funeral because we don't 
we don't often are, are so inept at carrying the anointing of Jesus that we often cannot reach into that situation and bring a change. But Jesus was there not to encourage her that one day there will be a resurrection. He was there to encourage her, I am the resurrection. In verse 25, he tells her, I am, using the covenant name of God, I am that I am. I am. See, he's letting her know, I'm more than just the Son of Man. I am also the Son of God. And so he lets her know that I am here. I am, God is, in the midst of this circumstance. I've brought God with me. Here we are, face to face, and you are thinking that one day your brother will raise again, but I'm here to tell you, why not now? Why not here? Why not in this moment? And she's doing everything in her power to believe Jesus right now. So Jesus begins the demonstration of the power of life over death. He tells the soldiers, move the stone. Now, that was a scary thing because even Martha argued with him, oh, by now his body stinks. Remember that he's in a place uh, where it's hot and it's humid and it's nasty uh, as far as temperature is concerned. And this body has now been four days dead. This was before uh, embalming. This was, they just spiced the body. They didn't, they didn't have a way to remove the blood and all of the things that we do today. And so this body is in a decaying situation already. It's bloating. It's beginning to smell. It's beginning to become horrifying if you were to go into the tomb before the body has completely decayed. But Jesus said, move the stone. He's got to be able to get out of there. Why do you move the stone? So that the body can get out once resurrection has happened. I want you to know that that is a symbolism that I picked up when I was reading this story, that nothing is sealed in death when Christ is on the scene. God can bring life out of death when you least expect it. No one was expecting it. The It's too long gone. It's too far past the time limit. But Jesus is letting us know that nothing is sealed in death when Jesus is near. Believe in me, the resurrection now, not at the end of time. And pray, pray that uh, the, to make believers out of the mourners because they're laughing, they're mocking, they're scoffing. And he's praying right now. He says, Father, I know you hear me, but for their sake, those that are laughing, those that are mocking, those that are saying it's one. One day too late. I'm praying out loud publicly that they can hear that you and I have a direct line of communication and I am in your will and I am the resurrection and the life. And he looks into that tomb after he says the final amen and he says, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, get out of that grave. He calls him by name. I remember in days gone by when great men of 
God that I looked up to, uh, oh, come on, men like R.W. Shambach, they would say things like, if he hadn't called him by name, everybody in the arms uh, of uh, Father Abraham would have come out of that grave uh, with him. They would have all resurrected. They would have all came out of the grave. They would have all stood up uh, and come out of that same tomb uh, had he not called him by name. He specifically went for this one miracle and he called him out by name and he appeared at the door just moments later. I want you to know that when God calls your name, he's got your answer on his mind. <laughs> mm. Now, I used to get real descriptive and, and, and animated with this, but I've got a couple pages of notes, and I don't want to belabor time. But I've got to share this with you. Here's what you need to know. When Lazarus heard the voice of Christ, boom, that body that was decaying now healed. That body that was decaying, boom, now back to life. And I know it had to take a moment or two because when a body in Old Testament times, especially in the Jewish tradition, was laid in the grave, it was wrapped almost mummified like we see with the Egyptians. They would wrap that body with cloth to hold that body bound and tight. And so everyone's on the outside of the tomb. No one can go to the tomb. It stinks. <laughs> and Jesus calls him out and everyone's standing there and the mourners still don't believe. They've heard him pray, they heard him call, but they're still standing there. And there's always an awkward moment in a miracle. When you call for the miracle and the revelation of the miracle, there's always a set time of incubation as to whether we'll stay in faith or we will doubt. Mm. Jesus calls him forth. The word says that he groaned in his spirit. Some, some interpret that he snorted like a horse. I don't even know how a horse snorts. <laughs> but like a battle horse, he was pawing at the ground going, come on, come on out of there. You lying devil, you loose him. Death, you let go. Let go. Let go. Let go of my friend. And about that time comes the mummified, wrapped up body of Lazarus to the tomb door. Oh, and as he's standing there, the professional mourners are fainting to the left and to the right, and fear falls on the crowd, and everyone who came there with their condolences, suddenly they don't know what to do with this moment. They're stupefied. They're scared to death. They don't know what to do except go, oh, my God, there is a God. Oh, my God, he is full of life. Oh, my God, this man's words are filled with power and life as he is claimed. 
Oh, my God. There may have been others who said, maybe this is a parlor trick. But tell me, who was willing to stand in that tomb with a dead body and that putrid smell? I'm telling you, you need to understand that when they, when he came out of that tomb, there was nobody else in it. There was nobody else there. He was the only body in that place. And, and Jesus sees him, and he says, loose him. Loose him. Unwrap him from those trappings of death. Unwrap him from the death rags and loose him and let him go because a man who is fully alive in God cannot be bound up with rags of death. He must be freed so that he can live his best life before the master. I'm having fun. I don't know about you if you are. Slap your neighbor a high five right now. So... He tells him, unwrap him, loose him, let him go. And everybody in the place now recognized the face of Lazarus. They knew he was dead, and now they know he is fully alive. And they begin to worship God and magnify him. Mm. But verse 50 of this same chapter, John 11, verse 50, we find out that this miracle, this miracle sealed the fate of Jesus with Caiaphas. For Caiaphas says, boys, it's better that one man should die so the nation could live. And from that moment forward, in fact, over in John the 12th chapter, the 10th verse, they put out a, the equivalence of a hit on Jesus. They had determined they're taking him out. And because this miracle was so significant that he held power over all of the traditions, even death traditions, they determined that not only were they going to kill Jesus, but they contemplated killing Lazarus too. Look it up. Read it. So, Jesus was in a divine setup for the greatest grave robbery ever. He's robbed the funeral at Nain. He's now robbed the funeral of Lazarus and robbed the grave of Lazarus. But now, the greatest of all. Matthew, you'll find this in Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, and John 20. He had taught the disciples that there was a mandate for his life that he would be arrested, abused, crucified, and resurrected. This really should have not caught the disciples by surprise. He had taught it to them on more than one occasion. On several occasions, he had shared with them that this was the intent of the heart of Father God because God had a bigger picture in mind. So he had taught the disciples that this event would happen 
And he picked the day, the 14th day of the month, which was just before Passover. And the day that Jesus threw his leg over the colt and rolled in on what we call Palm Sunday, rolled in on that day, he was letting the world know, I not only am the Messiah, I am the Lamb without spot or wrinkle. I am the perfect sacrifice for the sin of not one man or one family, but every man and every family of all time. I am the plan that God had in mind, and the last 2,000 years was just a type, or 4,000 years was just a type and a shadow of this moment. When sin would be rolled back to Adam and rolled forward to eternity. And I would split time in half. And I would become the perfect sacrifice for all mankind. When Jesus threw his leg over that coat, they threw palm branches. They threw their clothes out before him because everyone was wanting a Messiah. They were tired of being underneath Rome's thumb, and they were ready to be an independent nation again, out from under the tyranny of another nation. They wanted their God back. They wanted, they wanted a Messiah who would lead them and become their king. He rode into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, then he... He taught them, my hour has come to be glorified. He sat down with them after this event and said, except a grain falls into the ground and dies, it will produce nothing. It will stand alone. But once it dies, a harvest is born. He's letting his disciples know there's a bigger picture that you're missing here. You know and I know, Peter protested. <laughs> you know and I know that this was not what the disciples had in mind. But this is what Father God had in mind. Jesus could only serve where one man could serve, but if he became the sacrifice for all mankind. He could tag his disciples and send them into the world to turn the world upside down. And you and I have been tagged from generation to generation to generation, every generation since Jesus has tagged the next generation. And I right now am doing my best to raise up the generation behind mine that they can pick up where, I, where my generation will fall into the grave. They'll be ready to keep the message of Christ alive. And I don't know about you, but I know that God's got a divine plan for you and your life. And he wants to use you. And he wants to bring you into the place of fullness. And he's included you in his plan. He had you on his mind on the cross of Calvary. He knew one day you would say yes. He knew one day you would arise to the occasion. It made going to the cross worth it for him to know that one day you would say yes to his plan. Mm -hmm. 
So I want you to I want to point out something here. Jesus didn't even own his own sepulcher. He didn't own a tomb. He didn't come here to stay. He didn't come here just to drop into a grave. So he had a borrowed tomb. Joseph of Arimathea loaned him a tomb because he didn't need it but for three days. He didn't need it but just for a short period. He just needed it long enough for him to accomplish what he needed to accomplish so that he could resurrect again. He needed it long enough that he could grab the devil by the nape of the neck and shake out of his hands all that he had stolen from the first man, Adam. And he took back the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he came back victorious. He arose in that grave. He came up in that tomb where they laid him and expected him to stay. He came out of there with a resounding thud as the stone was rolled away. And as the Roman soldiers Soldiers who were put there to guard him fell as dead men to the ground. As uh, as uh, Mary and Martha came and ran into the tomb, or Mary came and ran into the tomb on that day, I want you to understand that they met up with an angel that said, "What are you doing, seeking the dead, uh, seeking the living among the dead? He is not here. He didn't plan to stay here. He tried to tell you he's not dead." He's alive. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the anastasis, the vertical stronghold of life. He is the zoe, the breath of God. He is what he claimed to be. He is the embodiment of God incarnate, the resurrected power. Mm. Tell me something. This was in the design of the devil to take him out. Just like what we're going through right now is a design of the devil to bring fear around the world and try to, to uproot the church, try to uproot the message, try to cause a, a division, try to cause a schism. I'm here to let the church of Matthew 25 know that it's time for the wise to trim our lamps and get ready to light the way to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, we're getting our final wake-up call, church. It is time to wake up. It is time to wake up. There's a generation waiting for the message, and they don't need us to cower in the corner in fear, but to come out in the boldness of the power of God himself and proclaim uh, the inexhaustible power of God and his riches. Once again, Jesus has robbed a grave. He came up victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Now tell me, devil, you idiot who designed this against him, tell me, how's that working for you? How's it working for you? How's it working for you? You took out the one only for him to tag the multitude. <laughs> how's it working for you? Tell me, who can kill God? Tell me, who can kill God? He laid himself down because he knew he was going to raise himself up. Mm. John, the fifth chapter, the 26th verse says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he gave to the Son also to have life 
in himself. Jesus brought himself up out. He was the resurrection. He is that spirit. He is the spirit of life. He is the spirit of resurrection. He robbed the grave of the widow at Nain. He robbed the grave for Mary and Martha. And he robbed death at his own resurrection and returned his grave back over to Joseph of Arimathea. He said, thank you so much, but I'm done. I don't need it anymore. I've got one final thought and message for you today. Look at this. Mm, Jesus is a grave robber in the most positive sense. He's a grave robber. Look at this. He robbed the grave for the widow at Nain. He robbed the grave for Mary and Martha. He robbed death at his own resurrection. And he's going to rob your grave too. <laughs> Genesis, the second chapter, the 17th verse, pronounces our death sentence through Adam. But in Romans, the 8th chapter, and the 11th verse, it declares, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who lives in you. You are not going to die. You are going to live. Mm -hmm. If you said yes to Jesus, he's already robbed your grave. It doesn't mean that our physical body may not fall into a grave somewhere, but he's already robbed the grave of its victory by giving you life eternal. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to stand in his presence, fully alive, waiting for the day and the sounding of the trump. Mm -hmm. Revelation 19 says that God calls his children to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's an event that's waiting. There's a time that's waiting when every grave will open up. Revelation 21.4 says God will wipe every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death. I'm going to say it again. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more more death. God is the comforter. God is the one who puts the joy down in your heart. It's hard, it's hard at the funeral of a saint to even be sad. I'm always sad for the family. I'm always sad for those who are losing their loved one. But I rejoice and I'm almost a little bit jealous of the person who's already graduated into the presence of the Lord. First Thessalonians, the fourth chapter, the 16th verse says, For the Lord himself shall descend from the cloud with a shout and the voice of an archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ are going to rise then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with them therefore ever to be with our Lord in the clouds I don't know about you but that's shouting ground for me verse 17 says this out of 1 Thessalonians the 4th chapter then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air 
and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Jesus is going to rob the grave of every believer, some from the grave and some before the grave can reach them. There's some who won't fall into a grave because the sounding of the trump, when God sounds the trumpet, boom, immediately they walk into life. Some of us may fall into the, the ground. We may fall into the grave, but I want you to understand you cannot stay there if you believe Jesus. He's going to rob your grave and bring you to life everlasting. Woo. Let me finish this. But all believers shall find themselves swallowed in life. A life so exhilarating that it will be breathtaking. A life that is the fullness of life. Here life is filled with heartache. Here life is filled with difficulty. Here life is filled with gloom. Here life is filled with pain. Here life is filled with sorrow. But I want you to know that there's a life so exhilarating in God that all pain disappears. As they said, every tear shall be wiped away. There'll be no pain. There'll be no temptation. There'll be no trouble. There'll be no aches. There'll be no surgeries. There'll be no more problem. Why? Because now you're standing in the fullness of who he is. And because you've been marked by God through receiving him by faith and he's extending his grace to you, if you receive his free gift, you have been translated from death unto life and like Lazarus what seemed to be too late is just on time with God and he's got your number mm. Austin if you would come every worry every care every trouble every fear and every heartache will be gone in a nanosecond so one last question church are you in favor of God robbing your grave today? If you are, it's as easy sitting in a chair. What do you mean? Every time you sit into a chair, you don't check out the qualifications of that chair. You don't look to see what its load capacity is. You don't freak. You don't fret. You don't worry. You just immediately sit down. Why? Because you trust that that chair is going to do what it's designed to do. If we can put trust in a chair, how much greater should our trust be in our God? How much more trust should I have in the one who designed everything we see? Walk into nature and tell me there's not a God. Look at the intricate design and tell me there is no God. And if we can trust a chair, why can't we trust God? It's that simple. God didn't intend for man to fall into sin. God didn't intend for man to get into this mess. 
but he knew it would happen. So he devised a plan to get us out of it. And that plan is the Son of Man, Son of God, Christ Jesus. When the Creator became the creation and He came to earth and did for man, this is what grace is, did for man what man could not do. Man couldn't keep the law. He was a miserable failure at it. And God set up that system so we would understand that without Him, we're nothing more than a miserable failure, but with Him, we are victorious to the end. We become more than overcomers when we say yes to the Lord Jesus. I'm going to have you lean in right now because I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray that this is the last day of sorrow in your life. This is the last day of heartache in your life. This is the last day of walking around with the unsuredness when you lay your head on your pillow. This is the last day of fear that you might die. This is the last day that you're going to fear some silly disease or some silly uh, um, what's that thing called that's hanging in the air right now it's the last day you're going to fear some virus you don't have to you don't have to ever again why because you know him lean in and pray with me Lord Jesus I need to know you in the depths of my heart and my soul. I know I'm a miserable failure. I know I'm struggling just to survive. And I need a grave robber. I need you to steal death out of my mind, out of my heart, out of my soul. I don't want a spirit of fear. I want a sound mind. I want a sound heart. I want to take you up on your offer to give me life eternal. And as much as I trust sitting in a chair, I give you all my trust with my soul that I will forever be born again, changed from the inside out. I confess that I am a sinner, and you and you alone are my only source of true eternal life. I receive you now as my Lord, as my Savior, as my God forevermore my death issue has been settled and now I'm going to get busy living the life you intended me to live teach me your word make me a student of your word cause me to be a child of the most high God I'm now an adopted son my name is written in the Lamb's book of life and from this moment forward I say yes to life in Jesus. Thank you for robbing my grave. We love you. God bless you. I pray that this is the most exciting, exhilarating Resurrection Sunday you have ever experienced in your life.
Thanks for listening to this podcast. We would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram at Passion Church Mo. Until next time, God bless.